0: Right now, um, I would like to introduce... uh, Whoa, it's getting bright in here. Let there be light. Um, Right now, I'd like to introduce Dan Sering. He's going to be preaching this morning. So, Dan, come on down. I'm so excited that you're going to be preaching this morning. Let's give him a hand here. Dan is the assistant principal at Front Range uh, Christian School, and we're excited to have him share this morning. And uh, you know what we have in common?
1: We're both short.
0: (laughs) That is, that is true. We are both short. Both our wives are taller than us. All right. Uh, you're, how, how much, Rebecca, how much taller are you than him? Come, okay, come on come, here, come on. come up well, here, honey. You've got, you've got some heels on there. But just not okay. fair. She's See, wearing boots. Dan, isn't it's it nice to know if the two of you are walking in a dark alley <laughs> that she could protect you? Do you know what I'm saying? Is that nice knowing that? Yeah, we do that a lot. Yeah. Walking dark alleys. Oh, very yeah, romantic. You know, I always am walking in dark alleys. So let's, let's go, go down to, this yeah, alley. Yeah, that's got to be nice. I was also thinking if you two, maybe you could be in the Olympics together, like a couple's... The luge? Yeah, oh, no, couple's oh. figure skating. <laughs> Maybe she could like hold you over your head and spin you around, you know, and you could do a lot of. Just these last things. night we were at the edge. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was tossing were, her like a rag doll. You were, you were practicing. Absolutely. Anyway, hey, it's good to have you up here, it's and we're excited. Good to be up here. We're Thank excited you, to hear Ryan. You preach Appreciate support. it.
1: Thank you. Now go sit down, would you? All right. All right. You know, Ryan, I gotta tell you, I just never get tired of your wardrobe. In fact, I finally figured it out. I heard the Pee Wee Herman put up his wardrobe for auction on eBay. And now I know. Way to go, dude. You know, one of the interesting facts about Ryan that many of you may not know about is that he applied, he's in graduate school, and they had to do a psychological inventory of him as he entered the program. And one of the things that they discovered is that Ryan should pursue one of three careers, none of which was counseling. And the three careers was hairstylist. I mean, look at it. The other is wedding dress consultant. I mean, can you see him on Say Yes to the Dress? Oh, my goodness. And the last one, but and again, because he, he, he wears it so well, was a Ralph Lauren male model. Because, I mean, how many people do you know who can rock a cardigan, a tie, and a plaid button-up untucked? Absolutely you do. I've seen the photo album. Yes, you have. Oh, wait, but it gets better. Did you know that Ryan owns 20 pairs of shoes? Half as many pairs of sunglasses and just as many pairs of wristwatches. And the problem is that he just cannot walk past a banana republic without making a purchase. It's just so sad. There's a, there's a support group for that, actually. Among some of Ryan's amazing gifting and talents is his ability to French braid a woman's hair, and quicker than he can change a tire, actually. And um, he is also maybe you knew this. he's on a first-name basis with all the women at Macy 's fragrance counter.) Uh, oh, no, 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 oh, s- he, s- get comfortable, my friend. When most, women speak, when most men speak of waxing, it's I about, know, it you know, it's, this is what you're doing, this is what you need to do. When most men think of waxing, they think of something that they do to their car on the weekends. For Ryan, it's a regular appointment at Salon Fouché. You'd wonder how it got so smooth. Now, don't get me wrong, Ryan is all man. Just this week, it was reported that he went to the Home Depot on Wadsworth. Apparently, he had chipped a nail and needed some Gorilla Glue to put it back. Um, And where's Chelsea? Is she here? Where's Chelsea? Okay, Chelsea, you have a lot to be thankful for. What a blessing he is. I mean, Ryan is, how many men, how many husbands actually ask their wives if they can carry their purse? I mean, don't you have to accessorize for that? No, 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 no. I'm not done. The only limitation that Ryan has on short-term missions trips is he finally figured out internationally that there is a different standard for electrical outlets. And so he was in a quandary because where does he plug in his portable hair straightener? I mean, you don't look like that overnight. It takes a while to get sculpted. Um, And his sense of humor. Who doesn't rush to church to hear Ryan's opening announcement slash monologue? I mean, come on, we live for this stuff. In fact, I believe, yes, <laughs> Ryan is West Bowles' version of Jimmy Fallon, in my opinion. Um, both of these guys are icons of comedy, however, there is a difference. And the difference is that Jimmy Fallon's audience actually shows up t- in time to hear his opening <laughs> monologue. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm done. Payback, baby. But aside from these um, obvious and legendary characteristics of Ryan, we actually have a lot in common, you and I, my friend. Um, Two things specifically. We talk a lot. Yeah, my wife should be going, yeah, preach it. We do. We talk a lot. And as a result of that, sometimes, especially in social situations, it can put us into hot water. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we use humor. Humor to disarm people, to set people at ease, to break the ice, if you will. But in my case, I am a really good at sarcasm. Any of you in that club? Okay, didn't think so. What is sarcasm? And by the way, let me just go back. James chapter 3 says, Let, many of you, let not many of you become teachers, my brother, in knowing that we shall incur a stricter judgment. <laughs> so those of us who speak for a living or teach, uh, we have a higher standard that we have, li- we have to live up to, and it can be difficult sometimes. But what is sarcasm? Sarcasm is when we say something that is the opposite of what is we really mean. Or as one person defined it, it's a form of wit that's usually intended to wound someone or ridicule them. For instance, if someone is being critical or whiny or they're saying a lot of negative things, you'd say to them, oh, well, that was encouraging. Or, thanks, I feel so much better. That's a form of sarcasm, and we employ that on a regular basis. And I've wounded a lot of people because of my mouth, because I don't always activate my mouth filter. By the time it gets out, it's gone, and I can't retrieve it. So Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, should really be the verse that is over the mantle, the banner over my life. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. In other words, being translated, when you talk a lot, you're going to f- stick your foot in your mouth. But he who restrains his lips is wise. That's why this is a spiritual discipline we're talking about today, because restraining our lips is very, very difficult, at least it's for me because of the amount of words that I use in an average day. But every one of us has this weapon. It's our mouths, and it's always, and our texting, and our words written that are always at our disposal. And I've discovered that wielding this weapon Produces three things, and I learned this from almost the moment I could actually use words as a child. I discovered number one, that the wielding of this weapon produces instant results upon the one to whom it's used against. Isn't it amazing how powerful our words are and that can turn a conversation, that can turn a relationship, how they can set the mood but destroy the mood at the same time? Number two, it's extremely powerful. With my words, I have brought people to tears, I have ended conversations. I have wounded friends, and as I'll share with you in a little bit, I've lost a job over it. And this weapon has the potential to put my marriage in jeopardy, or at the very least get my wife to question my love for her. It has the power to wound my daughters, just with a word, just with a phrase. And number three, this weapon of mine is always loaded. There's always a live round in the chamber, ready to fire at a moment's notice, and believe me, I am a very quick draw. I once said to my wife, I have a really sharp wit, don't I? And she said, Well, you're half right. (laughs) Love (laughs) you. Why do we continue to marvel at the power of the tongue? Because two millennia ago, James, the half brother of Jesus, said this about the tongue. James chapter 3 The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. So I find this ironic as we're discussing the preaching rotation with the five of us that the discipline of the tongue fell to me. That's kind of like asking Hugh Hefner to give a seminar on monogamy. I don't belong up here because of what I've done with my mouth, but here I am. And maybe um, some of you will relate more to me because of the uh, issues that I've struggled with. So I have to admit that this morning I take great comfort in the fact that um, I'm speaking to an audience of people who have wounded others with their tongue as well, um, have caused great damage as I have, and in text as well. So I want to welcome you to the Foot and Mouth Club because I'm about to call this meeting to order, okay? All in favor say aye. aye. All right, let's begin. Um, Songs have a way of expressing what we can't always express. And so one of John Mayer's songs, which really struck me, not only because I like this man as an artist, but also because of his words. He's kind of like the the contemporary James Taylor. He wrote a song called My Stupid Mouth, and I want to read the lyrics to this because I could have written this song. He writes in the first verse, My stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again to a date over dinner yesterday, and I could see she was offended. She said, well, anyway... Just dying for a subject change. It's another social casualty. Score one more for me. How could I forget what Mama said? Think before speaking. No filter in my head. What's a boy to do? I guess he better find one soon. Well, that's his modern-day version of James chapter 3. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. And, these, and that's an understatement. A great fire Indeed. Let me take you through history a little bit to see what words have the potential to do. Back in World War II, there was a slogan that went like this, loose lips might sink ships. It was a campaign that began as a phrase that first appeared on propaganda posters in World War II, and it was a phrase that was created by the War Advertising Council, and it was used on posters by the U.S. Office of War Information. And the text of the um, campaign went like this. It said, think, which, by the way... And that's where it starts, before we ever speak, shouldn't we think? Where does the enemy get his information? Information that could put you and has put your comrades adrift on an open sea. Information that has lost battles and can lose more, unless you personally, vigilantly perform your duty in safeguarding military information. Back in World War II, we learned the power of words. Words. To, to, to ruin or to, to compromise a mission, to compromise battle strategy, to give the enemy information that they could use against us. A little bit more contemporary, in 2005, Newsweek magazine finally retracted a story about a military interrogator at the U.S. prison at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, who was allegedly had flushed a Koran a, a down the toilet, but after the retraction, the damage had been done. Because Newsweek reported later that there was rioting in Afghanistan and throughout the Muslim world, which had cost at least 15 lives. And so Defense Secretary at that time, Donald Rumsfeld, said that the flap was a reminder that people, quote, need to be very careful about what they say. Another gross understatement. What about on a national scale? You watch the news. You hear politicians say what they say. Well, here's one. Just January 17th, last month, Governor Cuomo of New York, in a a radio interview, said that members of the GOP, the Republicans, with extreme views are creating an identity crisis for their party and represent a bigger worry than Democrats such as himself. He says this, quote, Their problem isn't me and the Democrats. Their problem is themselves. Who are they? Are they these extreme conservatives who are right to life, pro-assault weapon, anti-gay? Is that who they are? Because if that is who they are, and if they are extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York, because that is not who New Yorkers are. Was that prudent as a leader? Was that wise? Was that discerning? Did he represent the population of New York? He can't ever take that back. How about even more recently? Martin Scorsese's film, The Wolf of Wall Street. It won a bunch of Golden Globes, I actually watched part of the Golden Globe Awards. They kept getting recognized for different, different um, parts of their film. They set the all-time world record in that film for the most F-bombs dropped in an R-rated film at 506 in one film that people are paying good money for, and it is, it is raked in hundreds of millions of dollars. Cal Thomas, in an editorial he wrote to the Baltimore Sun-Times, he said this, quote, "'In this era of increasingly corrosive language,' note the overuse of the f word in the film the wolf of wall street this ought to shock and outrage everyone regardless of party affiliation or ideology the problem is it's no longer shocking us it's no longer corrosive to us it's no longer we've gotten used to it because it's what comes out of our mouth what has happened why have we gotten to the point where a, war, a film like this that is so over the top when it comes to profanity can get award after award after award it's what we honor in our culture. It is not right. It is not what men should, should be. We've had national fires. We've had global fires. But what about me? It's easy to talk on a, on, a, on a massive scale and talk about other people. But I want to tell you about a personal fire that happened to me eight years ago when I was a guest speaker at a local university for chapel to a group of college students. There was about a thousand of them, men and women, that were there. And I was asked to speak on a specific subject under the general category of how to deal with temptation. I knew I was speaking to college students, so I felt, especially in that venue, that it was important that I be authentic but also direct, especially given the nature of the topic and the intensity of the battle being waged in the minds and hearts of our students today. So I delivered this message and I held nothing back. Um, I also felt it necessary to identify a battle that's particularly difficult for young men, which required that I address the rage that men experience deep within their soul while they are in the midst of this battle. So I gave the message. Two days later, I received a phone call from my employer, who had received a copy of, or a DVD of the chapel message, and he asked me to, uh, if I'd meet with them. And so I met with them, and next thing I knew, um, I had lost my job. Um, in my desire to be direct and open, and whether I agreed with the... Uh, leadership of that time. It doesn't matter. He's in author- he was authority in my life uh, that I had taken some liberties with my tongue in that message. And in my directness, I had offended him. And as a result of that, I lost my job. Um, and I had six months before my next position of unemployment. When you have time to think about things that you do, things that you might have said. Now, at this point, you're probably going, what the heck did you say? Well, I'm not going to tell you. It's not important. What is important, however, is why I said what I said. And that's really the crux of what I want to talk to you about this morning and leads me to the main point of my message. And here it is. What comes out of my mouth reveals the content of my heart. What comes out of my mouth reveals the true content of my heart. And that's why controlling our tongue and what we put into text is one of the spiritual disciplines. How do I get that? Well, My text for this morning is Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It's Luke's version of the the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And right before we get to Luke 6, 45, the context is Jesus talking about take the log, the two-by-four, out of your own eye before you talk about someone else's speck in their eye. He was talking about hypocrisy. And then he talked about a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A fig tree that produces figs, a thorn bush produces thorns. They don't do the opposite. Then he gets to verse 45, and he says, The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. The evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. And here's the key. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Now, that word, good treasure, is actually the word, a Greek word, that is thesaurus, which you've heard before. If you have a thesaurus at home, it's usually a book that contains synonyms of English words. The word thesaurus simply means treasure, or treasury. It literally means storehouse. It means vault. In the case of the book, it's a treasury of knowledge, a treasure of knowledge, where something where valuables are kept. Now, if we go to the Old Testament, we listen to the words of one of the wisest men that ever lived, not that he always made wise choices, but a man who understood under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he wrote, the power of the tongue to destroy. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, we read, Whoever guards his mouth and keeps his, and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. You know, there should be a couple of amens going up on that one. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Yes, because how many of us have done this? Have we guarded our mouth and our tongue? Proverbs 13. The one who guards his words guards his life, but, whatever, but whoever is talkative will come to ruin. Again, we're The amount of words increases. Transgression is almost certainly unavoidable. And the truly wise person in Proverbs 17 restrains his words. And the one who stays calm is discerning. Even a fool who remains silent is considered wise. And the one who holds his tongue is deemed discerning. Some powerful words, aren't they? So let's go back to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. How many times have you and I said, after we said something that we knew we shouldn't have, we say, I didn't mean what I said. You ever said that? I didn't mean it. Or how many times have you heard someone, a government official, retract an earlier statement that came across as racist or sexist or critical or accusatory, like a Governor Cuomo? Is it really true that we didn't mean it? Is it really true? Those comments had to come from somewhere. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was referring to in Luke 6.45, When he said, our mouth speaks from that which fills our thesaurus, the treasury of our heart, whether it's good or evil, that's all stored there. Let me give you some word pictures of this regarding our hearts. Our hearts are like a warehouse, or better, like a safe, where we continue to make deposits, thoughts, memories, emotions, attitudes, record of wrongs that have been done to me. And sins against others, that sins against me that I've not forgiven others for, or even sins that I've committed that I have not forgiven myself for. These are all kept there. And this is a full vault. This is a full thesaurus, a full treasury. Or to put it another way, what about our mouths? Our mouths are like the door that opens to a storage closet that's full of accumulated stuff. Do you have stuff at home? Rebecca and I just recently emptied a storage unit because we didn't want to pay the fees and we don't need the stuff. So we had to clean some stuff out. But let's face it, at one time, everything that you have in your crawl space, in overflowing closets or in a storage unit, was valuable to you. You kept it, whether it was for sentimental reason or it had some functional purpose. But after a while, what happens to this accumulation of debris? What happens to that? Well, Rebecca and I have spent the last eight months of our marriage going through all of our stuff I mean, we have taken truckloads to Goodwill. We have put things on Craigslist to sell them. We have given things to friends. We have um, just trip after trip. How did we get all this stuff? But, you know, every time we look at some of these things, we go, why did we keep this? Do you ever ask yourself that question? What possible value is this going to have? An old toothbrush. That's just weird. So... What are we doing with all this stuff? When you know, you go through stuff, and sometimes we don't want to see it because it's just going to sit there, and we hope that, you know, we'll have, we have room for it, so let it expand to fill the room. But we go, why did I keep this stuff? So, But over time, the things that we have treasured at one point lose their value. They become stale. The, 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 the impact or the potency of them has become dull. And so the stuff literally, as we continue to put the thoughts and memories and the accumulation of relationship and words that have been said to us and that we've said begin to fill this vault, good and evil. And after a while, it begins to lean up against the door and it the to press on it, and the door is the mouth. It begins to think it, at some point it's going to come out because it keeps pushing up against it. It's kind of like the Capital One credit card commercial. You know, what is, what's in your wallet? Everybody knows that commercial, effective marketing campaign. Well, if I were to use this campaign as a maybe a visual reminder of Luke 6, it would be, what's in your closet? That's what Jesus is asking. What is in the closet of your heart, your thesaurus, the treasury of all these things that have accumulated that you've placed in there? So here's the point. What is heard by others from me that comes out of my mouth and that comes out of your mouth is what is. That's what Jesus is saying. It's what is. It comes from that which I've collected It comes from the thesaurus of my heart that I have accumulated over a period of time. It will come out. But, of course, in my flesh, I can rationalize my behavior with the best of them, but Luke 6 doesn't give us room for that. We can, by just a sheer act of the will, we can suppress, we can suppress our actions, our words for a time with extreme willpower, but ultimately the heart will win out because it's truly coming from who we are. And it's God's desire for us that we not be springs that yield both fresh and bitter water. James says these things, ought, brethren, ought not to be. But they do, don't they? Because we all experience that. So I want to add another part of my main idea this morning. The first part was what comes, out of our, what comes out of our mouth reveals the content of our heart. But the second part is this. The discipline of the tongue is about first asking God to search, to sift through the content of my heart. Sifting through the storage unit, if you will, the the crawl space, the cleaning out of the closets, and asking myself, why am I holding on to this bitterness? Why am I holding on to a critical spirit? Why am I holding on to this resentment? Because it's hurting my soul and it's it's affecting relationships with other people and certainly affecting my relationship with God. That's why ongoing confession, asking God, inviting him in to say, search me, O God, and know me. Why are we holding on to these things in this vault, in this thesaurus? And by the way, when I had time after I was let go from this position, I had six months to think about what I said. And I had to deal with where did that come from? Why did I feel the need to say what I did? Why did I feel the liberty to go where I went? So I had to step back and search my heart and do what David, King David asked the Lord to do which he said in Psalm 139, which many of you are familiar with. He said, search me, O God. And I think there was a pleading there. Search me, O God. There was a, you know me already. You know my anxious thoughts. You know the stuff in my my vault that is there, that's just waiting to come out. You know the anger. You know the frustration. You know the people I want to hurt back. You know the people that I've not forgiven. You know the pain that's there. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And Lord, see if there be any hurtful way in me. Take the evil that's in my, in my thesaurus and deal with it, please. Because I don't want it to come out in text, in language. And then lead me, Father, in a way that brings life everlasting. That's a, that we bring blessing to people. And let me just say this. It's no longer just about words. In our technological age in 2014, it's... It, we have the ability to instantly communicate our thoughts in writing and to hundreds of friends at one time through social networking. Facebook, for sure, texting. And what I've learned and what we've all learned, because we have these tools, it, 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 just because we can doesn't mean we should. Just because we think a thought, just because we have an opinion, just because we have an impression, doesn't mean everybody in the world has to know about it. And certainly our students are learning this rather quickly. Things that they say in writing, things that they send out, are irretrievable. But the ability hasn't yet yet caught up with the morality. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. So now, these avenues of communication have given our words a whole new audience, a much broader audience as well as speed of delivery. I don't really care that you bought new cat litter today. That's not really important to me. But some people feel like they have to tell everyone that they just went to the gym Thank you for that. <laughs> now, here's the other thing, and that's different from words. Words echo in our minds, and we, soon, we do not soon forget them. But what we do have with posts and texts, they are pre- forever preserved in endless forwards, tags, and postings, and they are irretrievable. When we send, hit that send button, that is the new mouth. The send button is the new mouth, the gateway to our hearts that possesses both the good and evil thoughts that accumulate over time and then will be released until we ask God to take the clutter from those places that we've treasured and we we say, God, would you deal with these things because I know at some point this is gonna come out of my mouth and it's gonna hurt somebody, but you want my mouth to be an instrument of blessing. Thus, the discipline of guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus is more critical than ever before, and I believe that the use of our tongue is truly one of the greatest measurements of our maturity in Christ, how do you know a man or woman? How do you know what they believe? How do you know what they prioritize? How do you know what, they, what their life is all about? What they say. Listen to their words. Who are they? You'll know by their speech. Now, as I conclude this, um, I've shared with you about my own weapon of mass destruction, and I would hope that perhaps during my, my message that you've been thinking about your own and what you have done maybe to hurt others, you all have, just as I have, but... Maybe the Lord's been bringing specific people or specific uh, thoughts or attitudes in the heart that you have continued to store there. At one point, they were valuable, but they're no longer. They're actually corrosive. They're actually very destructive. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? But the purpose of my message is not to throw a a collective blanket of guilt over everybody and make us feel bad. That's the Spirit's job. He will convict us of, of, of sin and righteousness. But it's about choosing to place our hearts which is the source, the thesaurus of our words. Because before we speak, it has to come from somewhere. It's about asking God to address these thoughts and to search us, to make us ask ourselves where these thoughts come from, came from and, and bring them before him. And if I may, and this could be a series easily about the tongue, there's another potential use for our tongue, and that is, believe it or not, to bless. Okay? I have to remind myself to use my mouth as a blessing. Isn't that sad? That's just sick. That was my last sermon. But this one, it's about being a blessing. In fact, on my to-do list at, at, at my office at the school, I have on my to-do list at the top, and you can go to my office right now, you can look at it, I have this written in a box, text box. It says, who can I encourage or bless with my words today? Man, how many times have we had a thought towards our wives that we never spoke? A thought of blessing. About our children, we didn't pick up the phone or text them and say, I'm just thinking about you right now, and I just want to say how much I love you and how proud of you I am. I can go on that for a week from my wife. How about you guys? You see the power of that. Who can I bless or encourage with my words today? So that's how I'm going to end my message. I'm actually going to apply what I just taught you. Um, I began my message by poking fun at Ryan. Okay? Um, I made jokes at his expense, and some of you may have been uncomfortable with that. Um, may have, some of you may have been offended, and that was my intent. I had a purpose in what I was doing. Um, they were meant to cause you maybe a little bit at some level to feel uncomfortable. So I want to close by saying three things, okay? Um, I asked Ryan. We're friends. I asked him permission before I spoke. I said, can I have some fun with you at your expense? And he let me. He gave me... No, 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 no. This is what you're doing. (laughs) I'm not finished yet. I got time on the clock, dude. Jeez. If I was the Broncos, I'd just quit right now. But anyway... (laughs) You know the difference between a dollar bill and... Okay. I asked and received Ryan's blessings. I just want you to know that. We were in cahoots on this. Number two... um, I introduce my message this way to, to really make a point, and that is, I have the platform. You're captive audience. I have the podium right now. You're, you're here listening to me, and so I use my platform to make you laugh, to entertain you at his expense. So that's the point. What are you going to do with your tongue? What are you going to do with your mouth? Third, just as my words and my text can be used to wound, it can also bring great healing. And I want to end by blessing this man, because... My jokes at his expense, not only, even though he, he said, go for it, and, he's been, and we love this banter back and forth, but I want you to know what I really think of him, okay? And this comes from my thesaurus. This comes from the good in my heart. I, Ryan, you're a man of amazing integrity and honesty and passion. I love that about you. Everything you do, you do with all of your heart. Um, I was so joking about you should not waste your life as a wedding coordinator, okay? <laughs> God has given you, some people, that's their gift, For you, you're a counselor. You are a shepherd of souls. You have the ability to heal wounds, and there are people in this room who have been blessed because of the words that have come out of your mouth, and I am one of them. So I want you to continue to thrive, and I think we are so blessed to have you with this church. You are a devoted father and husband, and you have been amazingly faithful to this church, and I know that many people consider you their pastor here, and so I wish you many, many more years here. And it's obvious you are the epitome of what this says up here. You love God with all your heart, and I know as a result of that, you express that to other people, and you love them very well. And I have to tell you, I do enjoy your monologues, and you're better than Jimmy Fallon. You are funny, and you have a way of of lightening the load, because we all come in here with heaviness and burdens, and and life is tough, but you just have a way of bringing up the bright side and making us laugh at ourselves and at yourself, and I just appreciate that self-effacing attitude that you have. So thank you for that. And I just want to say you're my friend. I respect you. I love having you at this church. I do. And, and then in, in, in finally, thank you for allowing me to make a fool of you for Christ's sake today, okay? <laughs> I want you to go today and use your mouth and your tongue, not as an instrument of, of, of mass destruction, but as an instrument of mass blessing Um, go and do likewise. And uh, we're going to end with the song, My Stupid Mouth, just as you leave, okay? Hope to join us for our After Church Newcomers uh, Fellowship, and thank you guys for being here today. God bless.